So 7% across, across the board increase. And that's the first part of it. The second part of it is that we've also managed to secure a 400 grand increase in the housing allowance. Um, the most important thing about this agreement is the fact that the conditions and the benefits which workers had in 2021, prior to when ESCOM unilaterally took those conditions away, have been restored. And um, this is a, a particular sticking point for workers at ESCOM. Because last year, when we were having wage talks with ESCOM, ESCOM simply um, rejected any proposal that we put on the table. Um, they collapsed talks, and then they went and imposed 1.5%. And at the same time, they took away a whole lot of benefits and conditions which workers had previously had. The impact of taking away those benefits and those allowances, most of them related to travel and transportation, has had the impact of reducing wages by 9,000 rand. And this was a huge problem. In fact, it was a burning issue amongst workers who were protesting at ESCOM. So the fact that we were able to negotiate for these conditions to be reinstated as they were prior to ESCOM unilaterally removing them, for us, is a major victory. ESCOM will obviously have to now source the funding for the new additions to its wage bill, which some suggest is over a billion rand. Do you foresee perhaps a hike in electricity tariffs in the near future due to this latest wage agreement and that the very same workers who are ESCOM customers will inevitably be back to square one given the mammoth cost of electricity? I think if ESCOM claims that our wage bill is is going to impact negatively on their balance sheet, they're lying. And I think I must just be frank about that. They're lying. Because as NUMSA, we demonstrated very clearly in the Central Bargaining Forum that not only are our wage demands affordable, but they have zero impact on the wage bill. For the last four years, workers at ESCOM have not had a meaningful increase. Their wage bill has remained flat at $17.4 billion. Nothing has changed for them in the last four years. Whilst in the same four-year period, the cost of primary energy, the cost for coal contracts, the cost for diesel contracts, the cost for IPP contracts has skyrocketed. It's gone from $85 billion to $116 billion. Those are ESCOM's cost drivers. Even if you look at their financials, and I urge that you do so, you will see very clearly that the things that are actually collapsing ESCOM are what they pay in these very, very bloated, dodgy, core IPP and diesel contracts. Um, These cost escalations have completely gone out of control. As unions, we have raised repeatedly at different times that ESCOM management needed to manage these costs. If you recall, in 2018, government uh, issued a directive, cabinet issued a directive to ESCOM to say that they must reduce or renegotiate core and IPP contracts, which they have refused to do. And the reason they have refused to do that is because they are members of the ANC government who are beneficiaries of these contracts. So we are not going to accept any claims um, that they cannot afford. They can definitely afford this, um, and it will have a minor impact. It's far less than what we were demanding. When we were at 12% across the board, that was going to cost $1.2 billion. We've now accepted 7%, so it's far less. 
Now, this was a wildcat unprotected, uh, unprotected strike by essential workers. Are you perhaps expecting any action to be taken against the striking workers that were not supposed to strike? Well, yes, it is true that workers at Eskom are considered essential, which means that they are unable to embark on a protected strike. But I, I think I just want to respond to your caller there, who said that these workers are traitors and saboteurs and should be arrested. That's rubbish. The Constitution of South Africa guarantees that every worker has the right to strike. It's a constitutional right. It's just that workers at Eskom are deemed essential, which means that if they go on strike action, the strike is unprotected, not illegal. Um, and um, as Munster, we made it very clear that we do not expect any disciplinary action for what um, happened with the protest, um, especially because workers um, were essentially provoked by Eskom. Eskom walked out of wage talks and collapsed those talks. We called them back to the table. They ignored us. They were very arrogant. They said that them walking out was part of a mandate, and they were not coming back to wage talks. Um, this angered workers and caused them to protest. Uh, so as far as we're concerned, if ESCOM had done the right thing from day one, we would not be in this mess. If they'd just simply done the grown-up thing, the negotiating team had behaved in a mature way and stepped talked and negotiated with us as they should have, we would have avoided all of this. Now, the they way- did this mm-hmm. because they knew that workers are essential. They expected them not to react, and unfortunately it backfired on them and the country terribly. Mm-hmm. So the way we see it, um, and we've made this very clear even to ESCOM management, that um, we will defend our members, um, and it would be very unfair that they go around punishing workers for something that they themselves triggered. Now, the wage agreement uh, follows the strikes at the utility plants and the return of stage six load shedding. So does the agreement now resolve the issue of load shedding, and particularly uh, stage six? I think anybody who's been living in South Africa for the past two years or more knows that we've been subjected to consistent, perpetual load shedding. The first time we reached stage six load shedding was in December 2019. That had nothing to do with workers' protest. Just like even now, this has nothing to do with workers' protest. The minister, President Gorsan, was simply scapegoating workers, uh, deliberately painting them as, uh, you know, silent savages who are sabotaging the economy. What a disgraceful minister. How dare he characterize workers in that way when Andre Gereta has been sabotaging our economy from the time he arrived? We've been saying this as unions that Andre doesn't know anything about um, ending load shedding. Uh, we warned when he was appointed that he would not be able to stop load shedding, and we were unfortunately proven right. At the same time, ESCOM has actually gone and shut down units at power stations. They shut down um, at least um, two units in one of the power stations and, and others, in, and, and that has had the impact of taking away about 2,000 megawatts of power from the grid. And they've been shutting down these stations because they want to make way for these IPPs that everybody says uh, should, should, should come onto the system. We have IPPs. These IPPs cannot help us with load shedding. And what Musa has been calling for and, and we continue to call for is the fact that this government must stop shutting down power stations. We are not yet at a point where um, the IPPs can actually replace uh, uh, coal-fired power. They, not, they can't. 
They can't. They're not at the same level in terms of how they generate energy. And it's a, it's a reckless uh, position that this government has taken where they've shut down these power stations without actually replacing it with the kind of uh, capacity that we need in order to keep the economy going. So that we're experiencing this now is because of a reckless decision taken at the highest levels of government um, to shut down power stations. Whether we sign or not, even as we signed yesterday, workers are back at work, we are still going to have weeks of load shedding. And it has absolutely nothing to do with the workers' protest.